This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 111. Good morning and welcome to Dollars and Change. This is Catherine Klein. I'm the Vice Dean for Social Impact here at Wharton on a chilly Philadelphia morning. Chilly to Philadelphia morning, but I'm Nick Ashburn and I have not been here in a little while, so it feels good to be back in the saddle. That is good. So we are warmed by your presence. Ah, warmed by my presence. (laughs) Thank you so much. And hopefully I'm warming the hearts of our listeners. Uh, As always. As always. So this is, you know, we love doing this show. It's so much fun and so inspiring and interesting always to talk about businesses and ventures that are working to create a positive social impact. So it's a dose of optimism each week. Exactly. I mean, given global news that you're just bombarded with nonstop nowadays, it's nice to be like, oh, yeah, there are really cool people doing really cool things trying to make the world a better place every day. Right, right. It is good. You know, we. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of I'm going to about to blank on his name uh, of, of um, solutions journal, journalism. Right. Uh, and I'm forgetting that. But in it, you know, it occurs to us we're, we're part of that solutions journalism, like highlighting what are solutions. So it is always, always good. And we have a great lineup today. We're going to be talking with Phil Weinberg. He's a Wharton alum and the president and CEO of Strive. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Strive's an organization I've heard a lot about, but uh, I'm eager to learn more. It's uh, from its headquarters in East Harlem. Strive today is an international leader in helping individuals from underserved communities get training and support and launch meaningful employment. So super important and really interesting. Then we'll be talking uh, with Gil Crawford, who's the CEO of Microvest. And, and Nick, you were saying you know a lot about Microvest. Well, I don't know if I know a lot, but I know a good bit about them. So they're impact investors, and they have a really unique model. So they've got um, some nonprofit ownership, but then they are certainly a for-profit fund management firm. So very curious to hear more about how that works in practice and what types of investments they're making. Right, right. I'm I'm really glad you highlighted that. We've had some really interesting conversations on the air on Dollars and Change about businesses that are owned by nonprofits. I think about um, Newman's Own. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's an interesting part of their structure that we'll want to look at, as well as understanding the impact and the financial returns from their impact investing strategy. Absolutely. And then we'll be talking uh, with Gayla Jennings O'Byrne, a friend of the Wharton Social Impact Initiative. Uh, She's uh, just a terrific and fascinating leader. She's now founded and uh, the founder and CEO of Intent Manifesto. Intent Manifesto believes the women of color founders represent an untapped market and prevent tremendous opportun- and present tremendous opportunities for investors and communities. So we'll be talking about what her strategies to, to support and invest in women of color who are founding new businesses. And so relevant. I yeah. mean, so topical and exciting to, to have her in-house and as al- also as our Nazarian innovator in residence at the Wharton Social Impact Initiative today. Exactly. So she has quite the lineup today. She gets to start in conversation with us. We're excited about that. And then she's going to be meeting lots of our students. And we're just really excited that you know we have the opportunity to bring her to campus and bring her into the studio. And then in the final half hour, in about an hour and a half, 9.30 Eastern, we'll be opening up the phones and just talking about our guests, talking about social impact business. And, and uh, that's when we always love to hear from you. We love to hear from you at any time. But uh, you can join us sooner or later, we, uh, and, or all the time, at one eight four four wharton That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. 
So without further ado, let's welcome Phil Weinberg to the program. Phil Weinberg, President and CEO of Strive. Phil, thanks for joining us. Catherine and Nick, uh, wonderful to be here with you. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining with us. So, so uh, Strive, uh, you know, we know a little bit about Strive. Our listeners may, may know a little bit about Strive and your, your purpose really to propel people who are struggling, who are uh, struggling to find work to advance them in their careers and allow them to get, you know, to pursue meaningful employment and get meaningful employment. Talk to us uh, about that, that mission. Help us uh, flesh that out a little bit. Sure. Um, well, first of all, a pleasure to be here. Uh, I feel very much uh, welcomed and aligned with your opening comments. <clears throat> uh, I'm an optimist, um, and I also believe deeply in the convergence of these sectors to propel social change. So I'm very much at home <clears throat> in this conversation. Great. Um, so at Strive, we see this phenomenon in our country that troubles us very deeply. And it's the reality that while the economy is growing, the market is growing, unemployment is down, uh, we see that a rising tide is not lifting all boats. And so in many communities around uh, the country, uh, we see that uh, unemployment rates are multiple times the averages um, in those cities, and wages have been largely stagnant for decades. And we see this newer phenomenon where the ability of individuals born in the bottom half um, of the socioeconomic ladder, um, they're having more trouble than ever um, jumping into higher levels. And so we see the lower social mobility than we've seen. And in fact, we see lower social mobility in this country than we do in Europe. So this whole notion of the American dream, this premise upon which our, our nation is built, um, is in real danger. And at Strive, we see um, <clears throat> amazing potential in these communities, and we see that through the power of employment to help individuals um, access opportunities, build wages, put themselves in a position um, to really pull their families out of poverty and put themselves on a trajectory to um, change their lives and to really rebuild and revitalize their communities. And so we were founded over 30 years ago to um, help these individuals build the skills and the attitudes that they need to be successful and thrive in their careers and subsequently thrive in life. Um, and so, and Philip, I wanted to ask you right there, you know, 30 years. And so thinking about how the, the organization started, which I think is a great genesis story, so we'd love for our listeners to hear that, but also how the, you know, the world has changed quite a bit from probably how we think about job training in in the 80s to to what the world looks like today. So help us understand how you started in that context and, and what you're doing today. Sure. So we started in the basement of a housing project right here in East Harlem, uh, the same community where we're based today. And there were a couple of founders who um, kept hearing from employers, we're looking for people with good attitudes. And send us folks who show up on time and have a good attitude. And so Strive really was founded on the premise that there is this incredible uh, reservoir of untapped talent in our communities who are hungry for work, but often lacking the training and habits to provide the kind of attitudes and behaviors to make them successful at work. And Strive built a, a curriculum that was designed to really instill those very basic work habits that if you grew up in a poor community, you might not have been exposed to. Uh, how to be punctual, um, how to work well in a team, 
uh, how to dress professionally. <clears throat> Very basics of how do you, uh, a good professional handshake and good eye contact and the importance of a uh, positive attitude with your supervisor. So those see, and, these, these sound like things that ha are enduring, you know? I was going to say maybe the premise of my question was incorrect. Because right. These, yeah. I think Catherine wants me to show up on time <laughs> and be professional, et cetera. And vice so, versa. Um, so those, these are enduring skills, and I, don't, I, I, I fully concur that, you know, today I was with a major hospital system earlier this week, and the head of human resources said, you know, we're looking for people with good attitudes. And so I think that is timeless and never goes out of style. I think what's changed is, as the economy has advanced, uh, that training really has become much more uh, employer-driven. And so organizations like Strive and others in this arena, community colleges, have become very adept at listening closely with employers, partnering closely with employers, and then mapping backwards the skills and behaviors um, and oftentimes uh, vocational um, capabilities that are going to help them access those jobs and then stand out on the work site. And so the attitude is absolutely essential, uh, but it's necessary and not sufficient. So what Strive has done is, is, is woven in with that very deep attitudinal and behavioral uh, development um, a strong approach to helping to build career pathways by working with employers, identifying the kinds of skills and credentials they value, and then providing that training to our participants so that they can be successful in those particular occupations. So uh, we're talking with uh, Philip Weinberg, president and CEO of Strive. Can you give us a sense of... Um, you know of of the model. If I'm if I learn about Strive uh, and I'm struggling to find a job, do I knock on your door? Do I apply online? Do I enter a cohort? Uh, am I you know like oh Catherine, you'd be really good for uh, our next program starting in three months, given your particular interest in blank and that employer? Give us a more picture of how this the, the, you know the the nuts and bolts of what you have found over thirty years actually works to, uh, you know, put people on a path to employment? Sure. First of all, there's lots of folks that have no idea that there are places like Strive that you can walk into in your community to get access to this preparation and to these opportunities. And people find us by all kinds of ways. Um, for one, we go out and we track them down. So we're out in communities, we're giving presentations, we're working with partners, we're activating social media, we're... Uh, utilizing word of mouth when you've been around for a long time, oftentimes, no matter how sophisticated our outreach, I walk into a class, I say, how did you find out about us? And they say, you know, um, my cousin told me you've got to go to Strive. And so we've been become known as a place that if you're struggling, if you've been shut out of the economy, if you're feeling hopeless, if you're feeling like there's not an on-ramp for you into the economy, that you can walk into Strive, and if you put in your hard work, uh, there's going to be access to opportunities that were not there before. And it is a cohort. So you enter a class, and a class um, might have 25 people, and these are all individuals who are hungry for work. And you find yourself showing up um, for training every morning at 9 o'clock. And it puts you in a very uh, regimented routine, and you're dressing professional, and all of a sudden you're in a routine and you're feeling really good about yourself. Your mm. neighbors are looking at you differently in the morning when they see you in a suit and tie or dressing professionally. You're feeling good about yourself. You've got a sense of purpose, uh, a sense of possibility. 
and you begin working through this this program with a class uh, that becomes a very important uh, peer group and peer community. And of course, you're getting the coaching, the mentoring from the team at Strive to help set the high expectation, but also to support individuals on that journey as they work their way through the, the training on their journey to work. Interesting. You know, that one of the things that listening to you and listening to that description and the, the power of the cohort uh, just reminds me of the importance of you know, in-person educational experiences that you could, one could in theory learn a lot from, uh, you know, from online programs, on, online training programs to, that, that, that teach some of these basic skills that are important for navigating the workplace. But, you know, it's nothing like having a cohort and, and walking into the room five minutes late and realizing like, oh, I'm the only one late today <laughs> and so on. And, and what's the connection to employers? Are you, you know, is there... Right? Is, is it a co- this cohort will be employed by X or, or you know, will be trained for health services? How does that work? Yes. So, um, first of all, there's never a guarantee of a job. Uh, the guarantee is if you put in your hard work, we're going to open doors for you and we're going to hustle to provide you access to opportunities. Um, but the connection to employers is very deep. First of all, we have teams of people that do nothing but cultivate relationships with employers, learn employer needs understand occupations that are going to be a good fit for our participants, and then work with our teams internally to make good matches between our graduates and those positions. And so um, what would often be the case is that a class would enter uh, STRIVE training knowing that it's gearing toward a certain occupation or field, so going into construction or going into health or going into hospitality. And so those individuals have selected into that pathway and then we're helping them develop the skills and the behaviors and attitudes to be successful in accessing those particular careers. And, and I think one last nuts and bolts question, which is how long is the typical training? How many hours? How many weeks? Uh, so this is full time. And these are folks that are really committed um, to essentially a nine to five experience five days a week. And um, our training can last up to, up to 12 weeks. And so this is the combination of the, the, the attitude, behavior, professional skills, what many people consider the soft skills, but these are really hard things to master. And then, of course, the occupational skills uh, that are going to be most relevant to a, to a particular occupation. So, Philip, I think you've touched on um, these throughout your, several of your answers. But if you think about your core, I think, as you guys describe it, um, Talk through some of those and how not only have you been able to be successful with this model in your region, but how perhaps other people have looked to you around the country. Because I think our listeners, like what are sort of the key takeaways that our listeners might be able to learn or how might they be able to access sort of your curriculum or your model in other ways? Sure. So the first four weeks of our workshop um, is called our core training program. And this is the portion that really does focus on those attitudes and behaviors. And it goes deep. So a lot of folks come to us. They've uh, been in some tough circumstances. They might encounter many challenges in their lives. They might have tried and start and stopped other programs or educational institutions. And we really help them get at the root of what's been holding them back. Um, these might be poor decisions they've made. This might be their ego that's getting in the way. And we really help them 
look at themselves not as a victim and not as someone who's defined by your past, but really taking ownership of themselves and their potential in being a productive um, employee and a productive member of society. And so we, we focus very deeply on these, and then we focus on those professional skills like communication and critical thinking and teamwork, and we do it through role play and simulation. So we're practicing, and we're practicing behaviors. And, you know, if you haven't had a deep work history and you have grown up on the streets where a certain uh, uh, code of behavior has been the norm, and you walk into a work environment and your supervisor asks you to do something and says it with tone that you don't like, your instinct might be to um, talk back to that supervisor in a way that's going to be very unproductive. And so we really help to reframe those conversations and help individuals think about themselves as a professional and again, re remove their ego from the equation. And then, of course, we move into what is often considered more conventional work readiness, which is understanding your career planning, uh, proper interviewing, um, understanding really how to you know, prepare for that, that job search process. Um, but it's a, it's a very deep approach. And we find that these are very transferable uh, skills and very transferable um, training experiences, and so we've had much success in replicating this in communities around the country. And in fact, we work closely with community-based organizations that are passionate about working with populations um, in these um, largely low-income communities where Strive operates, and importing our model and utilizing our support and training and technical assistance to uh, help individuals in their community prepare for work and to thrive. And uh, and at Strive, you've launched a uh, a newer partnership, I think, um, Strive Fresh Start, a innovative, comprehensive reentry program um, with a Department of Labor funding that's focusing on folks who are coming out of. Uh, Prisons and jails. Love to hear more about that. That's actually a focus of uh, in in my current teaching. We're looking a lot at, at mass incarceration and recidivism and the challenges that people face uh, when they get out of prison in this country. Uh, I mean, such huge challenges to getting a job. So, what are you doing there? Sure. So, we do have three uh, primary pathways at Strive. We've got the core training, which is primarily geared toward adults who've been living in poverty and looking to take positive steps. Um, we have our Strive Future, Future Leaders, which is our program for young adults ages 18 to 24 to help them take positive steps. These are young people who are um, largely out of school and out of work. And the one you reference is our newest initiative called Strive Fresh Start. And these are individuals who have been involved in the justice system. Uh, perhaps they've been incarcerated. And they're looking for a second chance and a fresh start. And we've built from our traditional core program and woven in other evidence-based interventions um, to really be sure that when individuals are navigating that very fragile time between incarceration and successfully getting their legs under them, them in their community, that we're helping them take those steps. Even as they build skills and look for employment, which is critical, we understand that there are other issues that they're encountering, legal issues, housing issues, family reunification issues, 
And so we've developed expertise over many years that we've essentially bottled, worked with a number of, of phenomenal thought partners, and now have launched this new initiative in six cities across the country. And, and for this initiative, uh, Strive Fresh Start and your other Strive programs, What's the selection process for folks get who are applying to you? You know, there, I mean, there are just so many different and interesting models of uh, you know, decisions organizations like yours must make. Do we want to serve everybody, and we're open to all comers, and that's our our place of you know of our of compassion and strategy? Or you know, like no, well, no, we're 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 going to screen and we're going to take people who have who we believe have particular potential, uh, you know, to change and to gain these skills. What's your approach to selection? I think you've hit upon an important ingredient for us, which is that potential and that commitment to change and want to take positive steps. And we screen very closely for that. Are you motivated? Are you in a place in your life where this program makes sense? Um, you're stable enough to go through this this. Um, rigorous and demanding set of experiences, and then if you were to put yourself in a position to find work, that you'd be in a place where you could um, sustain and and be successful in that employment. Um, so we're looking less for do you have the educational credential, do you have the deep work history, do you have high levels of reading or math. There are some basic requirements around those skills and attributes, but the bar is not super high. What we're really looking for are people who are motivated, committed, and looking to take positive steps. And if they can demonstrate that they're in a position to do that, then we're there for them, our doors are open, and we're looking to help them succeed. Now, I'll just add one caveat. Not everybody who starts our program will finish. Mm -hmm. Tough. Uh, Expectations are high uh, for participation, for attendance, for punctuality. Um, and in part, we're simulating the workplace. We're saying it's not going to be okay for your employer if you're missing work and not calling with an appropriate um, reason for that. And it's not appropriate for us either at Strive. Got it. So as, um, I'm struck as we listen to you and, and learn about Strive. Um, you know, there are ways in which this model seems very, uh, for lack of a, of a better way to describe it, this is a model that is, you know, it, it feels quite traditional in some ways for a, a, a nonprofit. Uh, you know, listening to you and listening to this, it's like, yeah, this is, this is the kind of thing that a nonprofit organization is particularly well-suited to do. Um, and, you know, as you, as you know, um, you know, there's such interest in social enterprise, in, in business-driven social impact. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are two ways I could take this this question that I'm that, that I'm that I'm feeling listening to you. One is tell us about your own path. Uh, you know that what makes you go from an an MBA at Wharton into this career path, not super traditional, given you know the extent to which uh, Wharton MBAs go into you know, finance and, and consulting and other and other mm-hmm. businesses. Mm-hmm. And then maybe talk to us about this sort of the the locus, you know, and and where this where Strive fits as a nonprofit. I mean, it sort of feels like yeah, this does have to be a nonprofit. So a couple of thoughts to to react to that that question. Um, number one is it's clear to us at Strive, and it's clear to me that if you're going to crack and try to solve large scale social problems, it's going to take the convergence of 
all the sectors to make that possible. And so, yes, while, while Strive is, is, its identity is a nonprofit, there must be a fluency in working with the corporate sector and the employer um, sector, because those are customers of ours and important partners of ours. There needs to be a fluency in working with policymakers um, and um, leaders in government and government agencies. And of course, there needs to be a fluency in working with community-based organizations and community partners. So it, it requires a new way of thinking about the role of nonprofit, not as sort of a separate entity doing its own work out in a community somewhere, but really as part of the fabric of an economy. And we're thinking less about Strive as a charity and more about Strive as um, a place that develops talent. And in a world in which unemployment is low, employers are hungry for any solution that can help provide them the talent they need to grow and thrive. And our proposition to employers is simple. We've got incredible access to talent. In many cases, these are sources of talent that have been overlooked and in many cases untapped. And we're going to develop this talent for you, and we're going to do it for free. Uh, it's, it's a very compelling value proposition. And when those partnerships work, and when they work at scale, they can be incredibly um, powerful. The other thing I would note is that the economics of nonprofits are a bit odd, um, in that the folks who use our services um, don't pay for them. Everything we provide to our um, students and our participants is free. And therefore, nonprofits need to be um, really creative and entrepreneurial about ways in which it thinks about revenue. Mm -hmm. And while there are certainly traditional sources of revenue, philanthropy, um, government, donors, um, increasingly nonprofits are thinking about social enterprise um, in a more expansive way and thinking about other other ways in which we can monetize and access revenue that is going to support our impact and support our growth. And so we really are in many ways at Strive a social enterprise. We've created intellectual capital, which we license to community-based organizations. We generate revenue from this model, and we use that to build our capacity to support more people. So I think that the lines, and I, I love the lineup you have today. I listened to the other folks who um, you're going to be, be speaking with this morning. I think it represents such an important and powerful cross-section and, and recognition that the lines used to be really clear. Mm -hmm. There was public, private, nonprofit. People played in their own lanes. There was crossover at times. And now the lines are incredibly blurry, incredibly um, murky at times. It's an exciting time to be thinking about impact. Um, and really briefly, my own career has represented this. So because I've worked in every sector, and in fact, my current role at Strive, where I've been for six plus years, is the first nonprofit I've worked at. Ah, I've done mm -hmm. two tours of government, uh, two tours of duty in government, one in Chicago and one here under Mayor Bloomberg in New York City. Um, I've worked in the private sector in multiple capacities. Um, and now working here at a nonprofit. And, um, and that journey for me represents the potential that we have in our nation now around um, social impact and thinking differently about the ways that sectors converge to crack and tackle uh, tough issues that confront us. So, so Phil, in the last uh, couple minutes here, uh, and uh, literally a uh, couple minutes, um, 
I'd love to get your advice for, uh, maybe we'll close out with some advice for, for two groups of, uh, of, of people. Um, you know, one listening to you, I'm struck by, uh, you know, I, I'm curious what your advice would be to my students. I'm teaching a social impact course at, at, at Wharton. Uh, you know, I, I teach to both MBAs and, and undergrads in, in different classes usually. But, you know, they're really curious about how they create a uh, career of social impact. You know, those students self-select uh, into courses like mine um, to because they want to have an impact. Um, advice to them as they contemplate, well, what am I going to do about my loans? Where, you know, gee, I see a lot of uh, colleagues going to, to Wall Street or FinTech uh, or heading out to Silicon Valley. Where do I create mm -hmm. impact? What's your advice to, to students? So my advice, first of all, is... <clears throat> Follow your passion. Uh, identify your, your purpose and, and your sense of what you want to do in your life and make that your mission and not to get too caught up in the other pressures that are going to um, be applied and the other more conventional paths that classmates will be kind of walking down. And I felt those myself. And so those can be really tough currents uh, to swim against. But Stay hyper-focused on the, um, the, the mission. Um, be less focused on the tax structure of the organization you work for. Um, and not every job is going to be your last job. So, um, so take a positive step. Uh, you can have an incredibly entrepreneurial nonprofit and an incredibly bureaucratic for-profit. Yeah. And so find organizations that are... Um, that are entrepreneurial, where the, there, there's, there's people who are talented or issue or issue areas that are motivating, and attack them with urgency and with great uh, sense of, of, of creativity. Um, and if, in fact, there are students that are looking to kind of marry those different um, goals, then the beautiful thing now is that that can be done. There are wonderful fintechs that are trying to make a, a social impact. And so I understand these are not insignificant considerations for students. Do I make money? Do I have social impact? Um, uh, you know, what, sure. what's, what's the proper sequence of these things? And I think there are ways to, um, to, to identify opportunities that can really be fulfilling across a variety of dimensions. And, and, uh, and, and finally, Words of words of wisdom, words of advice to people who are, uh, you know, who are struggling to find employment, uh, or maybe parents who are thinking, uh, you know, good lord, will my kid, you know, my kid, my kid is struggling, and will my kid ever be meaningfully employed? Uh, words of words of wisdom for for those who are, you know, not as well well supported to launch as our as a Wharton student. Have hope. Mm. Find a positive um, place a positive peer group and organization and take a step. And sometimes it's not going to be the ultimate or the perfect step. A lot of young people come to us and they want, um, they want a big job right away. Mm -hmm. And we say to them, take this small step. Here's an internship. It may not be your ultimate goal, but you're going to practice. You're going to get great work experience. You're going to build your network. You might develop a mentor. You're going to have something for your resume. And just take positive steps, surround yourself with positive people, work really hard, and try to motivate yourself with a sense of a purpose and a sense of passion. Uh, we work in a lot of tough communities at Strive across the country, and I walk away with incredible hope and optimism 
when I hear our students and I hear their passion and their hunger and their desire to do better, it motivates us yeah. and it gives us great fuel to help expand and deepen our ability to support them and their families. Great. Thanks so much for talking with us. Philip Weinberg is the president and CEO of Strive. I'm Catherine Klein. This is Dollars and Change. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll be talking with Gil Crawford, the CEO of Microvest. So stick with us. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 